Hey, this is Kristen Yorka, host of the Wild Wonder podcast. I just wanted to jump in real quick and share with you a new opportunity on our Patreon page. Patreon subscribers now get access to the Wild Wonder book club, where we mainly focus on translated literary fiction and books by writers from marginalized communities. Book club members receive a monthly invite to our live coffee, no spoilers meetup, a Wild Wonder podcast tie-in, rituals, and more. To join our book club this month, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Wild Wonder Podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices by speaking with today's leading practitioners. Today we're doing something new. We're having a part two of our original, the Akasha and Spiritual Sovereignty with the Divine Voids, Sophia Horniak. So welcome back. I'm happy to see you so soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. So where we left off in our last conversation was kind of defining spiritual sovereignty. So just to backtrack a little bit, Mm -hmm. could you give us your definition of spiritual sovereignty? So in my definition or my, um, the way I kind of look at things is that I, I relate us to being kings, queens, sovereign, um, ruling our kingdom. And our kingdom is what is in the nature or in the field of our lives. Uh, the archetypes of different aspects of ourselves. Um, So, you know, when they say that a sovereign is appointed by God, well, we are also appointed by God, meaning we are, there's a divine peace or connection that lives within us or not within, because really our body is so limited. It's really who we actually are. Um, And so what I explained before is, you know, different monarchs can have the best support system, they can have the best defense system, they can have all these things, but it's really up to their own discernment on how they want to operate, how they want to create the harmony within their kingdom, and how their kingdom interacts with others. And that is ultimately tied to the person or being that is appointed by God, your sovereign being. So sovereignty to me is being able to rule that kingdom in harmony with the best information that you have at that moment to the best of your ability. Right. And I think in contrast, um, we can't be sovereign and a tyrant. And what I mean by that is there is a limit to where we can encroach upon another person's kingdom. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I, I really think that people have this idea of rulership or ruling as, you know, I'm in charge, but really a true sovereign is in service. You're in mm-hmm. service of the needs of what each archetype, each little aspect of your life and and not only that but the communication and relationships that you have with other kingdom you're in service to that how do you create harmony um to the best of your ability yeah i think that's a piece that's been missing for so long um i was i am taking a class i just finished with alexander john shia who's a theologian or a catholic mystic and he was explaining he used the secret i'm sure we could all remember the Mm -hmm. secret 
Um, and he said a piece was missing. We went from like hearing the call to like wading through the wilderness to he to finally achieving or recognizing what we were being called to do. But then we stayed in that kind of euphoria mm-hmm. of creation and then didn't move on to service community and the other. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's funny you mentioned that because right now I'm in the middle of rereading um, uh, Madame Blavatsky's uh, book, um, Isis Unveiled. And, you know, she she's a very uh, <laughs> conflicted figure in in history. But um, ultimately, you know, what she talks about is is kind of like going past this the the true this very human idea of what we think it means and getting past it and going to what the the oracle within says and i think that oracle is of service because it's connected and that's again that's that's all about like harmony it's creating that harmony between the oracle within and outside and hearing that call and uh you know like in kirtan your your call and response so um i think that is a very big piece of service of being in connection versus okay i got the call i so this is what i'm supposed to do and just putting energy out you know we learn in mystic kabbalah that a true magician isn't one that like puts out energy constantly or mm-hmm. pulling in energy, there's a infinite movement of energy. And that's, you know, the harmony and the service and it all. Right. And I think you touched on something there. Maybe you didn't mean to, but it reminded me <laughs> of the, um, the need for discernment, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's what the Oracle says, and then there's what the ego says. So mm-hmm. how do you discern between the two? <sighs> that's practice. Honestly, um, I think that sometimes the ego gets a bad rep. You know, the ego is there to be the confine, to be the edges. So I always like to say, like, the ego is like the kindergarten teacher. That's like, okay, well, I know you know how to play in the sandbox. So we're going to stand here while you play in the sandbox. And as you grow and you evolve, you say, well, you know, I would also like to play on the slide. So then the ego takes a step back and says, okay, well, you know how to play on the side and you know how to play in the sandbox. So that ego is kind of there to kind of keep you um, almost like protected in a way Mm -hmm. to what you already know. And I think the ego grows with us. So it does get a bad rep, but it's only your patterning. And Mm -hmm. I think that the cool thing about my work and what I'm practicing is like all of this mystic stuff. I'm also like connected it to Carl Jung, which really Mm -hmm. talks about de-patterning and opening yourself up to that true notion of what the self is. So if we practice getting in touch with this sovereign piece of ourselves, with this um, true calling or whatever, however you want to call this little Mm -hmm. piece, we, we start to move that ego back anyways, then it becomes a practice of understanding like what is ego and what, what Mm -hmm. is that? And not necessarily all the time is ego bad. It's just what we already know. Yes. And the mystical path, which I believe is what we're speaking to moves us away drastically from what we already know. 
So oftentimes, I don't know if it's been your experience, but it's certainly been mine that there's been a crumbling, you hear the call and then your life collapses kind of like the tower moment in the tarot. Like there's, there's uncontrollable forces that either force you to move or your own ideology causes you to move in a way that your life must change from what you're used to. I'd agree with that to an extent. I think that when we work on the mystic path, we also can look at the ego or that patterning and say, well, that was there for a reason. And that's hmm. that being able to see it from that lens of like, that brought me to this, or this mm -hmm. taught me this lesson, or, you know, I, I think that the mystical path uh, allows us to see the place in which everything belongs in nature. Right. And I think going back to the aspect of sovereignty, I think now more than ever, I'm seeing it right more, not just on social media, but in conversation and with other mystics and other practitioners, this call to be of service, but in a way that's different than what at least I've seen in my lifetime before, which is more like the guru, right? Mm -hmm. Like you wanted to follow a guru or a teacher or a master. And if you were a teacher, you were almost, I don't want to say forced, but kind of made to feel like if you weren't promoting yourself in a way as a master or a guru, then there was something wrong in what you were doing, or there was some kind of aspect of your self-worth that wasn't working and you didn't see yourself in that way where I have never felt comfortable being the guru figure, right? I always say I'd rather be a guide on the side to kind of help someone go through their path than to be like the teacher to work towards. And I think that speaks to this now as in terms of spiritual sovereignty, right? You're not saying follow this practice. You're directing people back to themselves. A hundred percent. Um, you know, uh, we talked about in our last uh, interview how both you and I share this like, oh, don't tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do the complete <laughs> opposite. And I think there's a lot of us that are like that. There's a reason why our generation is very much like that. You know, we also are coming up on another generation that was told what they, they wanted to do constantly and they were completely mm -hmm. unhappy. Um, and so we fought to be like, no, what is wrong? Why do I not feel good? Mental health is important, you know, all of these things. And I think there's a reason to that. You know, we, we always want to look at things as above, so below macro micro. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, again, with Carl Jung, it's, it's individualization, uh, individuality the thing that is important within us, the thing that feels restrained, constrained, restricted, is screaming to come out. And a lot mm -hmm. of us are recognizing this. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I came to this place looking, right? I was looking for the mm -hmm. teachers. I was looking for the guru. I was looking, but I never felt like I quite fit because there would be a piece that I, I liked mm -hmm. or I understood and respected, but it didn't just click for me. And I thought, well, you know, um, I had this moment when I was a kid where we were talking about religion, which I, I don't know mm -hmm. why fifth graders were talking about religion, but we were. <laughs> And I was like, well, I believe that there's truth in probably everything, but it has to belong to you. And I don't know how I came up with that, right? So that has to be a past life thing. <laughs> but it, it's not wrong. I, I still right. truly believe that. So, you know, 
just because one path is written out one way and we look at language and symbolically, these things have multitudes of meaning. Mm -hmm. I think when you adapt it to this individual filter, it might mean something completely different to somebody else, but that's of importance because there's something within that needs to mm -hmm. come out to affect the larger scale of the universe. And so I think that sovereignty, that saying like, no, I, I need something. I need mm -hmm. to define what I am. I need to define what service means to me. I, the, the, the I am is very mm -hmm. important uh, in this, I guess, linear time and space, mm -hmm. but overall affecting the rest. Um, I think, I hope, hopefully that answered the question. I kind of no, went. <laughs> no, it made sense to me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if we just think different, but I hope it makes sense to everybody else. <laughs> what I would like to know is how you're able to use this new practice that you're now teaching or about to teach, yeah. um, how this practice helps others to find that place within themselves. Sure. So during this whole time that I've been looking for this modality and waiting for this to come through, um, the practice is called the gateway. That is what they gave me and that is what they want. And we, I tried to understand what that meant. And again, language and symbolically, it means so many things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, uh, you know, Ram Dass says something like you don't, you don't um, worship the gate you worship in the inner temple. And I think that's this gateway allows people into their own inner temple. Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients that I work with are so freaking connected and, and powerful and in tune, like it is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of, well, I'm not sure, or I'm scared, or I don't know what this means. And I was like, okay, something has to be out there something has to there has to be something that helps people trust mm -hmm. and in my own life um you know i've lived through abuse rape uh poverty i've been in so many bad places but it was always this voice and this inner knowing that always got me to the place that i am now mm -hmm. um you know the life i live the, the love that I have, the home that I own are like way beyond anything I ever thought I could ever have, mm -hmm. but I listened. And so part of the reason I went to this call of service was that I wanted other people to know that like, if you just tune in, you are worth it. And they're telling you you're worth it and they will help you. You just have to be willing to listen. So in this gateway practice, it's, um, it's kind of a four part class. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, what I am trying to do is help people understand how to navigate. Because, you know, I think there's a lot of teachers out there teaching certain things. And then people mm -hmm. get into the class and they're like, well, I don't know which one's my voice. I don't know which one is this, you know, so the navigation right. aspect is missing for sure. So mm -hmm. Um, class one is about individualization uh, or individuation, language, uh, the nature of your nature, um, what is in your field, what is what connects to you. Um, it's kind of like, you know, as a conduit, uh, I use that word and sometimes we see it out there, but 
uh, people that work with me, it's almost like um, they, uh, their vision is a little fuzzy. So they know there's stuff mm-hmm. there, but they can't see. And I'm just glasses. Everything just boldens. Mm-hmm. So we amplify what's in your field and we talk about what is trying to communicate with you or co-collaborate with you, understanding that you are sovereign, that you can work back, understanding what language and symbols mean and not saying like this equals this, but rather how does it equate to you? Um, Mm -hmm. Practices that you can have so that you can start to develop your own grimoire and dictionary and um, language definition for yourself. The second part of it, we attune to what is in your field. So we're not necessarily attuning to the Akashic records or like, you know, a Reiki attunement. We are, we are bringing you in harmony with what is in your field, your own pathways. Um, so this class is more of, uh, we are actually in the zone. We are, we are going into whatever you want to call it, transmeditation journeying, Mm -hmm. and I will be prompting vibrational questions and you will be retrieving the answers and we will talk about that. Um, there will be an energetic aspect to it. So you will feel some things. Um, And then the third class, we talk about opening, closing, and warding, because again, ultimately you are in charge of when this information comes in, when you want to fully open the gates, how you want to leave them open, or, you know, maybe just a jar, this is, you're in charge of this stuff. Um, And I want to help people gain that sense of trust and not necessarily control, but again, sovereignty when mm-hmm. you're not like at the mercy of when information wants to come in right. and uh going back to class one we do talk about the language in nature so they will still be talking to you outside but it's a different you know it might be a different dialect that you might have mm-hmm. to learn um then the next step into it uh they call it the king's ties which to me i keep telling them that feels a little masculine to me but <laughs> But that's what they want to call it. Um, So uh, it's really cool how I discovered this. And again, going back to uh, Madame Blavatsky's uh, Isis Unveiled, she has this line where she talks about, we will be going back to ancient scriptures and, and writings and redefining and evolving them. And so when I went on this crazy goose chase, finding the puzzles, um, I was looking in through the late, uh, lesser and greater keys of uh, Solomon. I was looking through um, <clears throat> John D's Enochian grimoires. And I noticed like in the hermetic magic field, there's something they call the seven spheres. Um, these are the mm-hmm. ancient planets. Um, if you look in through the book of Enoch and Revelations, they talk about the seven uh angelic beings that sit at the throne of god um how you know this is all language stuff uh Mm -hmm. and in heptarchia this is the same seven angels that work into the seven ancient um spheres or planets that actually rule over the universe that's a lot right and that's really (laughs) heavy (laughs) 
ultimately, <clears throat> what I did is through research and cross finding the different or fine tuning the different language with it and the rituals. Um, what this part of it is, is um, this is sort of like a alchemical marriage or resolving of these seven different archetypes within ourselves. So, you know, there's mm -hmm. parts of us that we, we doubt. There's parts of us that we lack support in. Um, you know, one of my favorite ones that I went through was Mars. And Mars, we think of what with Mars? Like we think of like- Like war. War, right? Well- I'm an Aries, so I'll say wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an Aries rising, so <laughs> that's how I step forward. No, but uh, Mars is also assessment. Mars is your defenses. Mm -hmm. Mars is discipline, protection, security. Mars is how we move. So um, it's funny, I got to this part of the ritual and they stopped me and I thought I was gonna move. Like I thought we were mm -hmm. doing this every other week and they're like, no, we're gonna hold you for a month. And I noticed there was a, I, it was almost like I was reorganizing, which feels like a very mercurial thing, but it's it's not. If you mm -hmm. think of things in terms of, you know, um, the military, it's reorganizing mm -hmm. things, assessing where they are and creating new defenses. Because when we work in new areas of energy, you know, old systems don't work anymore. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so in this, in the King's Ties, we are just uh, again it's like an alchemical marriage or resolving uh the parts of you that just need a little more strength and help um through mm -hmm. the different ancient spheres or their angelical rulers um so again that does sound heavy and really far out there but ultimately once you've done the first three classes um these are just a series of ritualistic um, practices and then mm -hmm. um, it's like you're just watching what happens and you start to write down and recognize the different shifts and changes and I think that really brings you to like a different level of self by the end of it because not only are you now like I've developed my language and or some of it because it's always evolving mm -hmm. Um, I developed some of my language. I know who I'm working with. I know what path is working for me right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you might get two years into that and go, I want to do this again. I want to do this practice again, mm -hmm. or, you know, I've, I moved into a different path. So I know this practice in the back of my head. I know how to relearn the language. I know how to communicate when to shut things down, when to open them up. And maybe I might want to do this ritual again to rework mm -hmm. my defenses, how I, you know, take authority or maybe responsibility, you know, there's different shifts in different parts of our lives where maybe in one part of my life, I want to be more of the student. And then the next, I want to be more mm -hmm. of the teacher doing these practices. What we're saying is we're amplifying to the universe, like, Hey, we want to work with you and I'm asking for your assistance. Now, the main part that I took or the main practice that this is based off of is heptarchia, which is the lesser known Enochian magic. Um, so it is under the seven angelic rulers, each sphere or direction, depending on uh, what tradition you're from, um, mm -hmm. has a king, a prince, and their ministries.
So though the end, the angel is in charge of that sphere below them, they have who is in service and those are who works directly with us. This is, this has a lot to do with timing. This has a lot to do with mm -hmm. the day. So it's, it's discipline. Um, but my God, has it changed? Like even the way that I speak, has it changed the way that I communicate? Um, but I think that this is something that is needed so that we can see in action that we are working with rather than working for or mm -hmm. hoping for. Right. It's a more of a knowing. But going back to, you mentioned Mars, are these energies or sphere, spheres attached to planets or using them more archetypally so that if a person was thinking in terms of planets, they would imagine a planet like Mars. So it is, a, it, it is archetype, archetypically, typically, mm -hmm. um, but we do work with the movement of time of the planet because even mm -hmm. though it's an archetype, it is also in relation to what it is represented by. So um, for example, uh, if we work with Mars, we would work on a Tuesday and I would look mm -hmm. at, you know, the timing of the day to work um, Mars, a Martian hour at Mars. Mm -hmm. And that's when I would start to do the work um, or the, I would start the ritual, but it would go mm -hmm. throughout. So basically whoever's working with me, whether you're in Canada or you're in England or you're in the Philippines, we would base this off of the time of where you are at. Um, okay. And again, that is representative of the old school of discipline of saying like, I am of service, I am open mm -hmm. and I am willing to do the work. Um, it's, it's a humbling piece, but there is so much strength in it because what you're saying is I'm also drawing you in. I'm also calling you in, mm -hmm. um, which I think is really cool this kind of like, um, you know, in, in Kabbalah, we, we would say like Hesed and Geburah, this like softness and strength all coming together in Tiferet, which is the sun and Tiferet represents the, the fallen sun or, you know, how Osiris was broken apart and then put together. So this is kind of breaking you apart and putting you together all over again. Yeah. I'm trying to wrap my head around it, but it's also <laughs> when it's you said heavy. that, it's <laughs> like the 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 humbling part made me think of like in voodoo and practices, you would never like outright ask for help from a spirit that you haven't humbly like introduced yourself to, or like mm -hmm. brought offering to, or made yourself available to. Um, I'm not a voodoo practitioner, but what, from what I've read is because or not that spirit is just not going to work with you. You know, there is a, a give and take a reciprocity to that. Yeah. I, you know, uh, working in folk magic. Yeah. There's that level of like introdu introduction. You're just, you're just being polite ultimately. Mm -hmm. But if we think about this on this like higher level of service, 
there's a humbleness to it because you're of, you're of service of something greater. And so even though this is helping you with your own sovereignty, your own level of trust, your own mm-hmm. in-tunement with the divine within yourself uh, on a macrocosmic level, what you're doing is you're saying, I am willing to be a channel for more of this astral light into our dimension. And so that can only bring more light into the world. Um, you know, there's there's bigger and deeper context to this that I understand. But, you know, again, this is already a lot to wrap anybody's brain around. Right. This. But if we want to simplify it to that, you know, if you look at us as a net and each of us are intersections and we're just little lights, we're just saying, like, we want to we want to brighten. We want to open up more. Mm-hmm. And um I think that is humbling in in itself, like getting this information. I was talking to my Akashics teacher and I was talking to my um, Hermetic Kabbalah teacher and both of them, I kept saying like, (laughs) like, who am I? Who am I to get this? Like, who am I? And they're like, well, this is the whole point. (laughs) Like, who are you? Like, there's a reason for this. You know, there's, if you were walking around like, yeah, I've got this, I've got, you know, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same message. So, um, you know, I still, I do feel that way as much as this is giving me a lot of strength, as much as I feel so strongly and raw about this work and very protective of it. Um, I am very like <clears throat> excited that I think this mm-hmm. can help a lot of people just at the baseline, base level trust mm-hmm. Um, I am like still constantly mind blown that this kind of stuff comes into my field, you know, that they are directing me to this information that they are showing me the way they are telling me how to develop this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) like who am I to be looking at national archives in England to find, you know, John D's old grimoire, you know, like I'm not, this is, it's mind blowing to me. You know, I'm just Sophia from South Hill, Virginia, who, you know, (laughs) like dropped out of college, dropped out of beauty school. Like, who am I, you know, but, but that humbling is, is just that, Mm -hmm. you know, who are you? It's, it's a, it's a blank page, I think. Yeah, but I think that that humbling is what allows, right? Because if you're the type of person that says, I know, well, then nothing else can come in. Yeah, that's, that's not, a, nothing's going to come into point. your field if you're like, oh, I already know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's a very valid point. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wondering, so I meet a lot, at least when I first started teaching, I would meet a lot of women, women mainly. I'm not saying men don't go through this, just in my experience, it was the women that didn't quite know what it is they wanted to do. They didn't know how they wanted to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it, are these the type of people that are coming to this work or are you seeing a difference nowadays um, in who's coming to the work? You know, I think in the beginning when I would read, it was always somebody saying like, I feel like I have to be of service. I feel this pull. And after a while, I came to this like conclusion that like service may just look different, right? We talked about the Mm. formula of success before. So what we saw was I'm a tarot reader. I practice this way. Then I had an Instagram and this is how it all succeeded. Well, you know, 
where is the room for individual individuality? Where is the mm -hmm. room for revolution and revolutionary ideas? There are mm. people out there and clients of mine and and people that feel so scared and confined by this idea of success or what it means to be of service or what it means to be spiritual that they don't speak up because it's too weird or it's different. Mm. We need to allow space for these things to come through. And so mm. when I see like people bogging other people down, you need to do your research. You need to do, it's not all through research always, mm. you know, it's sometimes it's, it is the divine, that lightning crash that comes through that breaks down our tower. You know, that is the divine eminence that we are looking towards that we, we are wanting to bring in the more information. So, um, when people are coming and they're like, I don't know what to do with this, like this, this work isn't just for practitioners. This mm -hmm. is for everyone because there is, we talked again, like there's such mundane things that we do and we don't realize how much of a ripple they cause. Yeah. You know, I had a client recently that said that she felt really, um, and I hope she's okay with this, but I'm not going to say her name, of course. <laughs> but she said she felt really um, restricted or like forced by a former mentor who was like, you take some information because it's sacred, but you need to be of service and share. And she's mm. like, I just didn't feel right with that. And she's like, you know, I'm being of service with my husband, with my children. And I was like, well, that's your community, honey. You right. know, you start there. You start what's closest. You, you, it's up to you what you feel comfortable with. Somebody's, one person's idea of community may mean something else to somebody else. Mm -hmm. One idea of village could just mean your family. Um, again, this is language. So when people say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, well, this work helps you tune into what feels right for you rather than what is out there that you see that you mm -hmm. feel you're supposed to do. That was a right. long way of answering that question. Right. I hope it no, it makes it makes perfect sense, especially I mean, and the struggle is real, even like trying to figure out where you fit, because I, re I remember when I first worked with you, I was struggling with the idea like I was between like I had just left being a full time yoga teacher. And I was like, I feel like I keep drifting from place to place and I never end up anywhere and I don't fit up in anywhere. And the most soothing balm you could have ever given me was you said, no, of course not. You're the bridge. You're the glue. You bring people together so you don't have to fit in anywhere. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to find the group or the community or where I'm supposed to serve that it never occurred to me that maybe that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of us that feel that way. And I feel like that, like, movement, that discovery, that navigation, that's like such an important part of it. Because what we're really doing is we're navigating ourselves, right? We're going, this works for me in here, but not so much. And this works for me, but not so much. And what it really does is it puts us in tune with like who we are. And I think right. that's like the big thing that a lot of people are missing. So we, we all become like, these wanderers and we're like, I don't know why I'm wandering. Well, you're wandering because you're on this heroic journey to find the self, to find the, right. the hero within. Um, and, you know, it took me a long time to recognize that. And, you know, again, <clears throat> I, I am seeing 
it's really cool because I, I see in the spiritual community or the quote wellness industry, which is, I, I was like dying because my hermetic Kabbalah teacher was like, wellness, like we're not well. <laughs> like you're right, we're not well. <laughs> She's like, we're all crazy. And I was like, oh yeah. But <clears throat> I'm seeing a lot of uh, language that, hmm. it does mirror each other, right? It's all marketing for the most part. Mm. And sometimes I think that what it does is it, it's not as like nasty as that sounds. I think that some people go into it with the intention of feeling good and, and helping others and they see a word and they go, oh, that invoked a feeling. Well, I want other people to have that same feeling. Mm -hmm. But a lot that I've seen is like, there's this great remembering happening, right? Like the, the, <laughs> the new shift, right? But it's not wrong. Um, I've seen uh, recently a lot of people are, are giving like Akashic attunements or uh, classes to help you with your own like psychic ability. And, you know, it's really, for me, I think that's really cool to see because again, like, all of us have our own different filter. We connect to different other people, right? And so mm -hmm. the the word of mouth is gonna go out and whoever is attracted to whichever practitioner is going to connect. But I asked, I was like, well, I'm seeing all of this and old Sophia would have been like, fuck, everyone's doing what I'm doing, but <laughs> <laughs> doing this practice, I'm like, okay, we're on the same vibe. There's this wave of information coming mm -hmm. in what sets me apart? What makes me different? And they said, well, honey, you're the navigator. You help people navigate this. And I thought about how I, I, I never felt like I was a part of any group. And I always felt like an outsider. And that navigation aspect of it made me feel so strong within myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very big missing piece in understanding how to create your own definitions and uh, connections and understanding the language of your own field. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so excited about this work. I'm having a hard time saying centered because I'm just so <laughs> stoked right now. <laughs> but I think what you just said, it, it leads to something so important, at least for me, which is deep, radical self-compassion because yes. old me would have berated me for not being able to like adhere to a group, to adhere to a course or a mentor or to any of these things. And now my mantra is kind of like, I am that I am. That's, this is just showing me another aspect of myself and how great is that, you know, yeah. to be able to just do this thing that I love. Yeah, and you know, you touched on compassion and it really makes me think like going back to that question about ego and you know separation separation of the two and i said you know i think this mystic path allows us to look at ego and see its place i think mm. there there's compassion there and ultimately throughout all of the mystic work that i do again bhakti is the center of my work we live in such a world that is like what do you provide what do you do right. where are you going and there's a lot of this self-talk and pressure of mm. of you know you should know better we should get it like you need to do this you need to do that we see it constantly even in the spiritual like community mm. like you need to be doing this or you need to respect that and there's just like 
where's the room for grace? Where's the room for compassion? Where do we create that space? You know, when I, um, all, a lot of this information, a lot of this practice came through when I had like the, the major panic attack and I felt like so completely just batshit crazy. Like I felt so disconnected to myself, but that disconnection allowed for a space of just letting go of control for a minute. We're constantly Mm -hmm. needing to be in control. What happens if we create space to see what happens? Um, There's a quote that Carl Jung uses by another uh, person. It's not Swedenborg, it's somebody, but they talk about like lunacy and they say, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as like somebody being quote crazy, if it has something to do with their health, like there's there's some there's there's an importance to that and that should be taken care of but we have to remember there's like a divine part of that that allows space for information to come through like you're not going mm-hmm. to sound put together when you get this information <laughs> right so um i think we're we're there you have to have a level of compassion for yourself when you get this kind of information and so you have to start somewhere and starting Mm -hmm. somewhere has to be like you know when i did that thing when i was in fifth grade and that was embarrassing i was just a kid i didn't know i don't need to be up at (laughs) four in the morning thinking about this while i'm looking for my certificate you know it's like little things like that and it it really Mm -hmm. um those small practices build up into the bigger ones and i i want people to connect to that and recognize that that compassion goes so far in this spiritual work and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're like oh i see you thank you for sharing it's it's right. it is radical it is radical to give it to ourselves first hmm. it's hard if anything yeah yeah so how do you, when people are coming to this do you call it a course a class I call it curriculum. Curriculum. Um, curriculum. Yeah. That sounds much better when people are coming to the curriculum. Um, yeah. What do you see them journeying toward um, for each individual? If there could be like a generalization of what they're moving toward. They're just, I think the most simplified way of defining this is exercising trust. Hmm. Um. And I say exercising because you're not going to come out of this class and go, I trust myself. You have to create a practice. <laughs> All of this is practice. You know, like being a psychic medium, I do have to practice. I do have to get to know who I am working with, where I'm at, where I'm going. It's all a practice. So I, I think this comes down to trusting yourself, trusting, you know, your guides, trusting those breadcrumbs, the language, the call, and in trusting, you move the marker of limitation, right? Mm. So this trust does reflect in your physical life, not just with trusting in your relationships, but going, "Mm, maybe, maybe I don't need to be in this job. Maybe I can start a business. Maybe I can do this. Maybe because you're trusting the signs, the symbols, and the support that you are getting. And, you know, ultimately, one one of the things I was talking to my husband about this last night, um, we were watching this new um, show on HBO Max about the guy who started the Lakers. And he's mm. like, doing a deal. And he's like, I don't have this $15 million. 
And I said, one of the most amazing things that rich people do and uh, people in these big positions do that other people don't realize is they usually don't know or don't have the money. They quote, like wing it, but they move mm -hmm. resources. And so this is like trusting how you can move the resources within yourself and then like outwardly into your world. Like, how can I move the resources? You're never going to be ready. So how can I move the resources so I feel a little more comfortable so I can take a chance? So um, that's what I, I, I think people will get out of this is like trusting that trust, exercising trust. Yeah. And maybe taking the foot off the throttle a little bit. I think what trips people up a lot is that they're going full speed ahead and they're trying all the things oh. all at once. So they never even get the yeah. opportunity of grace, of space to see like, oh, maybe not this. Maybe not that. Maybe I could just do this one thing. Yeah, or listening to themselves. You know, a lot of us, we get so caught up in doing all these courses with other practitioners <laughs> and we're like, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do yeah. it? Well, this, though it is another course or curriculum, this is saying like, mm -hmm. well, how do you do it? Mm -hmm. Bringing you back to your voice. You can't like bog yourself down with all these books and practices and lessons if you're not actively working on it in connection with yourself and does that feel right for you um mm. and you know some of this trust is also embodiment how does it feel in your body what feels good mm. to you um a lot of you know there's there's practitioners out there that don't even know like a simple yes or no what that feels like in their body mm. so um i think that this brings us all back to center like your path to to your level of pathways it's like an airport you know um you right. go on a trip you come back and then you'll go down the next corridor and go on your next trip but this is going to help you this is like your passport to help you understand where you're going and how you're going to get there i'll say though that a person taking this course probably needs a lot of courage at first to stand on that threshold because a lot of these things we do, like the constant taking of courses, even though they're good for our health, mm -hmm. are actual distractions to the bigger work. Absolutely. I think that, you know, anybody who is called to this course, you're called for a reason. And that's that's the mm -hmm. first like ping. If that's what you mm -hmm. feel like, then go for it. I'm not going to push this course where like everybody needs to take it because I think there's a, a certain level of like releasing the intellect and the uh, lower self in order to like step into this trust. And if you're not ready for that, you're just not going to be ready. You're not mm -hmm. going to get everything that you need in this class. And as far as the attunement is concerned, again, this is bringing you in harmony with the stuff that is already in your mm -hmm. field. So if you're not ready for it, I mean, it's not going to you know, it's going to be a little oh, choppy. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's, yeah, right. Uh, it's going to be like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> like, um, so I, I think that, uh, yeah, there's going to be a level of courage, but there's got to be a level of like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess the courage part kind of falls away when you know about yeah. something, you know? I don't when know something if it pings falls away. You. Sometimes it's like, well, please yeah. stay here beside me, <laughs> even though I know. <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> it's still there. It's just muffled a little. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when does the course start? So, uh, the course will start. Actually, let me look at my calendar. Sorry. 
Um, the course will start in April. Um, so your listeners will have the first like access. You'll be hearing it first because I'm not going to be talking about it until March 17th. Um, mm -hmm. The first class will start April 16th, um, which is the start of uh, Gibbafall, which is or counting Omer. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's kind of in the same body or world of Lent, but mm -hmm. in uh, Kabbalah, it is uh, a practice of the different spheres on the tree of life. So practicing mercy, practicing um, helping somebody, uh, not complaining, it's it's a practice, mm -hmm. right? And so what you're, you're doing is you're giving up a piece of something that's not really helpful for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, not that we're necessarily doing this while we're doing the class. I just think symbolically, we're, what we're doing is we're giving up, we're surrendering to mm -hmm. ourself. Um, now on my Patreon, I may be doing this practice, but, um, actually I will be doing this practice because I tried to complain, <laughs> not to complain for a week. And that was life-changing. Um, <laughs> it was hard. I am but was <laughs> I'm actually practicing Lent this year. I started just after Ash Wednesday. Um, but instead of giving up because I'm very good at giving things up, um, mm -hmm. I decided to take something on instead. So I started my bhakti practice again every morning for 40 days. Um, oh, and then I'm trying cool. to see how things fall away when I add this thing that nourishes. That's amazing. So, I love that. That's very <laughs> cool. So they they start on, what did you call the holiday again? Or the uh, day? So Gibba Fall or uh, Counting Omer. So it's um, April 16th would be on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, so I will offer the gateway first. So that will be the class of language, individuation, the nature of your system. Um, then it's class two attunement and class three is learning, opening, closing and warding. And now when we learn the opening, closing and warding, this is information you're pulling from yourself and your guides, not from me. Um, I can give mm -hmm. you help, but we, we will be doing the vibrational retrieval of this. So the gateway are those three classes. I will be offering that first. Um, <clears throat> the second part of it, the King's Ties of the Seven Angelical Spheres or the, I, I, you know, the tagline I haven't come up with yet, but this uh, alchemical marriage or resolution of the archetypes within ourselves, um, that I will probably do in the summertime, maybe around summer solstice. Mm -hmm. um, but the gateway will need to be done first in order to do the okay. second. What's the what's the commitment both um, physically, time wise, um, for this for the entire curriculum, or is it kind of open? <laughs> um, yeah, it's well. So uh, focusing on the gateway, the the three main mm -hmm. classes, um, it, it will be a couple nights a week um, for mm -hmm. about three weeks um we'll be finishing before mercury retrograde which I, I think is may 10th so um it'll be a couple hours two nights a week um because i do want there to be time in between for you to uh, adjust to the energy integrate it um and allow things to come through 
in your waking life as well because this vibrational attunement is going to pull some information that you might not get while we are in you know our journeying section of the class mm. um what you get with this as well is you get a uh like 50 percent off a one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh session so you know we'll work together for an hour to talk about you know how you want to adjust your opening or your closing or what might be coming through that you're having a little trouble with you know i'm i think mm -hmm. that is also missing in a lot of curriculum or classes that i'm seeing is the just the pure on mentorship together um mm -hmm. so if you are fully committed to this you know i'm fully committed to you as well to guide you mm -hmm. and to help you or to be an ear um <clears throat> so yeah so uh two classes a couple hours uh, a week uh, for about a little less than a month, about three weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And I will be offering a, like, a, you'll have connection to my Patreon. So not only will you get everything that's on my Patreon as part of the your payment, but also um, you will get, like, live Q&As, so, um, mm -hmm. like, office hours. So there's a lot of support for you to learn to trust like i'm going to be your training wheels in doing this it's beautiful it, because it feels more like an intensive right you it's not like one class and then two weeks later you have another and then another hour so it does feel like very like, almost like an incubator right until yeah, you like or, go through this thing yeah and it, it's funny i used the word incubator before and i was talking to uh my friend that does some of my like content management um, for like bigger things. And he's like, I really don't like incubators. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is what it feels like. But I, it also makes me think, especially because language is such a big part of this is immersion. We're, you know, we're throwing you in there. You're learning the language and you're collecting, you're learning by being, um, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. So if they're feeling that ping, where can they go to find out more information? So I will be releasing this uh, March 17th and be opening enrollment uh, until uh, until it feels full. I don't want to have too many people in the class because, again, I do want to be able to do the one-on-ones and uh, mm -hmm. be able to support everybody appropriately. Um, so they can go to my website, uh, Divine Void Sophia. Um, and they can sign up, they can go to my Instagram, there will be a link for enrollment under my link tree. Perfect. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. I keep saying awesome. we and like, it's more than me. And I was just having this conversation. I was like, I like to speak about me and spirit. <laughs> I was gonna this. say, well, like, technically, we're Yeah, you are a we <laughs> and I am a we and we are all we so <laughs> for sure, you're never alone. And you're never doing yeah. anything alone. <laughs> I'm going to continue to use that pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, I might add that, that she, her, <laughs> we. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't let me actually on Instagram. They didn't. Really? I tried to put, yeah, we, they, and it doesn't. So mm. but let me know if it works out. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well thanks again for coming on. Um, awesome. You're welcome back, obviously, anytime. And I'm looking forward um, to your new curriculum. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me chat and talk about this. And, and, you know, I'm really excited that your viewers and listeners get like the first dibs to this. And um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you because it's like talking to an old friend. I love it.
Ah, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.